Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right here on The Breakfast Show. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and Minnie. Minnie. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm good. I was I was a bit sleepy, but I had more sleep last you, night than you, I before. You changed it this morning, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you are conscious of the fact that every morning you go, look, <laughs> it was like this. It's because too many people have started being like, this is what you say a lot. I'm like, no, I don't. And then you know when someone like brings it to attention, you're like, oh, I say that a lot. <laughs> We're gonna. We, we don't want you to change this. Look, it this probably is, won't. Is, it is it probably won't be fully eradicated. For we, we, we don't want it eradicated. <laughs> this is this is this is the special mini thing. We want it to stay. <laughs> this is what we love about mini. Yeah, good, good. All right. So, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, you know what? I was actually thinking on the way here. I'm thankful to just like be here the whole morning on Tuesday. Like, because I don't. Yeah, yes, I indeed. Normally, I'm not here all Tuesday. Absolutely. Normally, we do turn around, turn around Tuesday yeah. and. We do a half Tuesday yeah. because Minnie has to rush off to class. Yeah. You don't have to rush off to class. No, I don't morning. have class today, which I'm also quite thankful about because I have work to do. <laughs> but no, it's just nice. It's bit just a, nice to like not be in a rush. A bit of assignment that needs done there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually enjoy doing it. It's just, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is way more than I realised. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, I tend to be like that. And then I tend to uh, stay up late. Well, I also go down rabbit holes that I'm like, no, this definitely feels important to this. And it's probably not, but I want to have like all the information and then channel it down to what the assignment needs. When you don't actually need to do that, you like just get the information just that you need. But I'm like, but I do need it all. <laughs> I need to go down these 20 paths. Anyway, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, what am I thankful for this morning? Let me think. I'm thankful that I get to hang out with a bunch of mates after the program today. Hey. We're going to... Um, do some sharing time together. We're going to go to a really nice place. We're going to the beach. Yes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Positively different news. Okay, so <laughs> I, this story is not probably going to be your very favourite of all because you're not a very favourite cat person. No, this is not um. going to be my favourite. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> but right, let, um, me, let me stop multitasking and focus all my attention. <laughs> So in Hamilton, New Zealand, not yes. Hamilton, Australia or anywhere else, um, Bianca Walzak is saving animals that no one else sees. So she is trained as a vet nurse, right. couldn't find a job, but that hasn't really impacted what she does. So there's a Facebook group. Oh, there's a bunch so what, of what country was this again? New Zealand. Okay. So yep. Hamilton. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. Um, I guess it's the city, big town, I don't know, um, in the North Island. And, and yeah, so she just kind of looks, every time she's driving, she just looks at the roads going, is there any animals that I can see that have been injured on the side of the road. She texts the Facebook group if anyone has put up, hey, we saw this and this. doesn't matter time of day or night. If she sees it, she's going. And her car is decked out. She's got towels. She's got a um, micro-tripper thing. She's got her high-vis vest. She's got a cage to transport the one to um, are alive but just lost. Uh-huh. Um, yep. And predominantly she picks up cats. And <laughs> you do know that there is a prominent politician in New Zealand right now who has a proposal to ban cats. For the same reasons as Australia? Yes. Yeah, okay. Because they kill like the native. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, the kiwi birds have been just about been wiped out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cats and stoats and so forth. Yeah, all the things. Yeah, and possums. They don't mm-hmm. like possums over there. No. But she's doing her best just to keep. And so she's, she tries to place the ones she can. So, you know, if they've been lost, if they're someone's pet 
but they're yeah. You know, she tries to fight them. If not, um, she there's a local she's vet. She's got a chip and yeah, she's got yeah. a name tag on it, whatever. Absolutely. So she'll take them to the local vet where they'll keep them for up to two weeks and she'll put around posters if she can't track down the people. Um, and she just thinks that animal's really important. We need to look after them. She loves them, gives them a lot of care, um, keeps them alive. I, I really do appreciate people that put a lot of work into animals. Mm, mm-hmm. I guess I'm just a fan of native animals. Uh-huh. And so, you know... And, and, and I'm, a, I'm a very much a fan of animal management mm-hmm. because even native animals can overpopulate yeah. if we don't manage it properly because as human beings, we come in and we just kind of mess up all these ecosystems yeah. and, and you get some animals that overpopulate, some animals that underpopulate, and we need to help those that are underpopulating and, you know, kind of not help those ones that are overpopulating. Yeah. We, need to, we, we, we are placed here on this earth as managers and as stewards mm. of... Uh, the animal kingdom. Absolutely. And I think we've done a pretty poor job in many ways. Done a terrible job, particularly yeah. in the countries like Australia and New Zealand that have been recently um, colonised by the West. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you had the same thing happen in your heavily populated centres of the world, uh, you know, Europe and, and Asia and so forth, and tremendous amount of species that were lost. We don't mourn the loss of those creatures because, you know, those losses took place, you know, Three four thousand years ago, mm. and so we just don't know about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the modern countries like Australia and New Zealand, um, the United States or the Americas, where we really see the impact. Uh, and it's just it's just a terrible thing. I mean, you you, you travel to Europe, and you see alley cats just everywhere. Yeah, but you never see birds. Oh, that's sad. You just never you never see birds. You never hear birds. Mm. It's, it's just. I mean, it's not never. But, but it's not common. It's like okay, this is this is our future if we do not manage our situation. Mm-hmm. Actually, that that takes me on to my next story because it's about the Australian bilby. Um, talking okay, about now you're talking animals. my language. Yeah, yeah. Now you're talking my language. Um, and actually, like what you said reminded me of it because um, apparently Australia has one of the um, the worst mammal extinction rates we in do. the world. We do, which yes. seems crazy. And this is why I'm passionate about it. Sorry if I, sorry if I come across guys as being passionate, but I am, I am passionate yeah. about native animals. No, it's like it is important. Yeah, like you know, each species is in that area for a reason. That's so right. when you lose that species, you don't always realize what impact you're having. And Australia has such cool creatures. <laughs> yeah. You know, we are the the uh, the stronghold in the world of uh, marsupials. Yep. Yeah, you know, everywhere else has placentals, but Australia has marsupials. Yeah, that's really cool. Absolutely, but we would just wipe them all out. <laughs> Brilliant. We but yeah, bring so in lots of placentals that then wipe out all the marsupials. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're so cool. Oh, like, they are the, the best. Yeah, our critters so, are the best. So Dubbo's Western Plains Zoo has just re- released ten of the strongest and healthiest Australian bilbies, which apparently over a hundred years ago were deca- declared completely extinct. So this is what I'm liking about these stories. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, but we know uh-huh. that that's not fully extinct because there's so many stories where they pop up. But, um, but yeah, so five males and five females were flown from Dubbo to Tibubara. Tibubara, yep. Oh, brilliant. Been, been there. Oh, okay. Cool place. Well done, you. Um, but it's part of the Wild Deserts program. So basically they're trying to go, can we get this back in the wild so they can repopulate so they can you know continue to um, do thrive. Yep, do the things. <laughs> um, they were released onto a 2,000-hectare area in a nearby national park where they were fenced off from cats, foxes and rabbits because yes. we know yes. if they let them go, they'll just be killed again. That's right. um, for the local or Wonkamara 
people, so just Indigenous people in the area, they see the arrival as a healing process for the land. And the New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife Service Deputy Secretary (laughs) also concurs because he says it's a first step in trying to restore the landscape. So basically the the Bilby's digging action assists in seed germination um, for revegetation and aerating the soil. And this is, this is what they've found. In these areas that they've been able to fence off all the ferals out, mm. um, you know, particularly your cats and your foxes, yeah. the vegetation is completely transformed. Isn't it interesting, hey? And it's kind of like, okay, here's a few thousand acres mm-hmm. of what Australia used to look like. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, we, we can never see that except that we go to these places that have been fenced off. Yeah. And I think, you know, the more of these kind of areas that are fenced off, the better. Absolutely. And I think you're right. It's really important. Like, I don't have a problem with any animal, but I think the fact that we have so many, we've lost so many native ones and we don't know the impact it's having. And I'm like, come on, guys, let's, let's be better. You know, don't even be sorry. Just be better. Yeah. <laughs> and then the sad thing about Tibberborough when I was there was the place was overrun with wild goats. <laughs> you know, and they will eat anything and everything. True. Um, anyway. Really good to hear about the Bilbies. I know. Very I was positively like, That's so different cool. story there. That's just a very cool story. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Anyway, what are we going to talk about? China. Let's talk about China. Okay, so if we look at our world today, we've had, um, you know, a, a number of. Okay, so we've had. Let's just be upfront. We've had uh, a number of months of rioting and protesting over mm. uh, um, Black, Live, Black Lives Matter. Oh. So here's my challenge. Why do we not protest over real slave, actual slavery? Oh, that's still existing in the world. Yeah, yeah. rather than protesting over where there's a his- history of slavery, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do things for underprivileged people. Mm. That's mm. not what I'm saying. But why don't we focus our attention where the real problem, the, the big, not the real problem, the biggest problem is, the mm. biggest problems. Uh, but there's lots of problems to look at, but why don't we start with the big ones first? So uh, in China, they just um, we've talked about how they enslaved, you know, two million Uyghurs mm. in the last several years. Well, they just threw another half a million Tibetans into slavery. Oh, so this is kind of uh, you know, if you're China, this is kind of how you deal with the uh, COVID uh, crisis in your economy getting smashed by COVID. It's like, well, we just uh, just get people, just grab some more slave labour. And so, you know, what are we doing in response to this? Where is the CLM or the TLM? You know, Chinese mm, lives matter. Tibetan lives matter. Tibetan mm. lives matter, this kind of thing. What, what are we doing about it? Well, this is what we're doing about it. We are celebrating China by sending the Olympic Games there. Really? The Winter Olympics. I Yes. Is that because people don't want to get on, like, China's bad side? Is that... Okay, this, like, is, a really, this is a really interesting question. Uh, and one that we need to look at from a moral perspective mm. uh, because, okay, so China's just come out like, yeah, we're going to be carbon neutral in 60 years' time, and everybody's like, yeah, this is great. This is the world's biggest polluter, and they're actually going to do something about it. And by doing so, it's like, well, let's not, not, let's not get them offside because if we get them offside, then they might not they decide they, not yeah. to do anything about pollution. And basically, because China is the world's biggest polluter, they can hold the world to ransom. Yeah, Right. The other thing, of course, is that we have an addiction to Chinese goods. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're, they're cheap. Yeah. Um, they, uh, you know, so long as you're not a professional, they're not that terrible. And we just, uh, we, we cannot break our addiction to it. We're actually very um, 
very selfishly minded as yes. humans. Hey, because it's like yes. this thing is hurting me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for it. This is wrong. Oh, but this thing's helping me. Oh, it's not so bad. Do you know, know we'll, what I mean? we'll, like, we'll, yeah. go and, we'll go and stand up and protest in the BLM rally, uh-huh, uh-huh. and then buy something from you know made in China. Absolutely, yeah. Think about the hypocrisy of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm not sitting here saying that you know I'm innocent. I've never bought anything from China. <sighs> <laughs> My workshop is full of Chinese stuff. <laughs> he says after a big sigh. <laughs> yeah, you know no, this is true. this is this is something that I think affects all of us, and I am no more innocent than anybody. I'm not sitting here trying to proclaim my innocence. Yeah. But here you've got two and a half million people in actual slavery mm. today. Yeah, yeah. You know, they throw them into these uh, uh, re-education camps where they are faced with forced indoctrination, brainwashing, um, intrusive surveillance, harsh punishments and labour quotas. Hmm. Uh, the policy states that these are voc- vocational training programs. So you're going to TAFE. You just don't get a choice. And you get to live there um, where people will receive centralised military-style training in agriculture. This is the Tibetan ones. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they're like, well, our army is very efficient, so we will teach our Tibetans to be efficient. So we'll give them military-style training in agriculture. Um, And the purpose is to reform backward thinking. Okay, so the Tibetans, they're uh, very, very devout Buddhists. Yeah, you know, we have yeah. the Dalai Lama and so forth. Uh, and in China, of course, that is Tibetan fitting. The Uyghurs are Muslims, and in China, that is, Tibet- that is backward thinking. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same for Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Um, they will be ta- taught work discipline, law, and Chinese language. Mm. So you've got a bit of cultural genocide that is uh, being attempted here as well. Um, which is you know never a good thing when you see it taking place. That's actually that's one thing with um, people talking about you know with racism, people seeing people as inferior to others, and often the current conversation I've kind of heard a lot of is you know it's it's black and white, it's black and white, it's black people, white people. Which I'm just like yeah, come on guys, we're more than that. But you look at some of these people, and I'm just going to use yeah. Asia as an example. There's huge hierarchies of we're the best, you're nothing. Oh, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like absolutely. Every, every, every race yeah. is racist yeah. <laughs> to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Every race. Yep. Um, and, you know, we've got to fight racism wherever it is found mm. because no race is immune from it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it, and, and it's a horrific thing. It is just the most awful thing. And, you know, thank God that Jesus died, you know, John 3.16. For a lot of us, yeah. Whosoever. Whosoever is the key word right there in uh, John 3.16. Okay, Uh, we've got a text here. What are we doing about the Christians who have been under persecution for the last 60 years or more and getting worse every day? This is another part of the same story Mm, that mm -hmm. we need to consider. Um, It's a, uh, it's, it's. You know, part of this is you know the Tibetan situation is one that is uh, prominent at the moment because of its size, and because you know they are concentrated in uh, particular places. But it's true they've been persecuted there for the last sixty years. But you know, you ask the IOC, why are we having the Winter Olympic Games there? Why don't we do something about this? Uh, well, the world is kind of being held to ransom, 
and there is a feeling out there that if we boycott China, it's going to harden mainstream uh, uh, mainstream nationalism. And the fact is that the West knows more about what's going on in China than Chinese residents do, and so Chinese residents will just all all, all they will see was well, is the West hates us, and they got rid of the mm. Olympic Games. They don't even realise, you know, you've got millions and millions of people in. Um, slave labour. And that's a good point. Like, yeah, when we're talking about these things, often the general people is different to the government. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, often. It is. Okay, so how do we deal with these difficult things? Uh, this was something interesting that came up um, over uh, over the weekend. And it's an interesting quote from Lindy Chamberlain. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so I think it was Channel 10 was doing a bit of a doco there. And this was something that she actually wrote to herself as a teenager. I think it's got value um, and it certainly was something that helped her later in life, and particularly when we think about you know the horrific things that happen in our world. Letting something that hurt you take over your thoughts in either regret or revenge is a fool's choice, and you are no fool. So she wrote this to herself. Wow. Long before anything bad happened, this was when she was a teenager. Forgiveness does not say that you are not hurt. Forgiveness is saying to yourself, I will move on with my life, without regret and anger and preoccupation with this. Great words right there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. Uh, We have joining us on the phone this morning our, um, I guess you should say, our resident doctor here on Faith FM, Dr. Paul Wood. Welcome to the show. Morning, Lyle. Dr. Wood, this morning uh, we're going to be talking about coronary artery disease uh, is that the same as just like heart disease? Yeah, in a sense. So okay. coronary artery disease specifically refers to diseases of the heart that are due to blocked coronary arteries. That would is that, include is that, things like, yeah. Sorry, is that the most common form of heart disease then or not? Yeah, look, it would be. Um, and it's certainly, look, it's one of the leading causes of death in Australia. So number number two for females, number one for males. Um, but it would include things like angina, um, heart attacks, and um, certain types of heart failure can be due to blocked coronary arteries as well. Okay, as a leading cause, uh, how big is this? I mean, how many deaths are we talking about? Yeah, so when it comes to, to males, around, um, around about 10,000 Australian males die each year from coronary artery disease, and for females, it's about 7,000. Um, putting that into sort of everyday terms, we're talking about um, two people dying every hour in Australia from coronary artery disease, or about 48 per day. Yeah, that's very big. Is there, a, is there a reason why females suffer this less than males? Is it because females are healthier or stronger, or do we know, do we know why females uh, suffer from this slightly less than males? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm sure females do tend to have healthier lifestyle choices than males, but part of it is um, hormones. So if you look at females, once they go through menopause, their risk of, of coronary disease nearly matches that of males. Right. Okay. So what are some of the – let's talk about um, coronary heart, heart disease. How does a person actually know if they have coronary artery, artery disease? I mean, is this something that you can sort of – a disease that you can have and not know about? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, I guess, the concerning aspect is that you can have it for years and years and years. In fact, it can actually start in childhood, the process of the arteries getting blocked. 
And you wouldn't actually know you've got any symptoms or any, any blockages there until those arteries are at least 70% blocked. So we're talking a fairly advanced progression of disease before you actually know you've got the, um, got the problem. So I'm sure we've all heard about people who have, um, you know, dropped dead, I guess you would say, but just suddenly died mm. of a heart attack. Yes. Is this the result of somebody who's had the disease for a very, very long time, typically? Uh, and, you know, just something, there's, there's a straw at some particular point, which is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Is that what's going on there? That's correct. So, you know, I used to work out in the western, a small small country town in western New South Wales, and you often see big farmers who come in and say, I've never had a sick day in my life, and um, no need to see the doctor. Um, and this disease process is, is going silently um, in the background there, and then suddenly one day he dropped dead of a heart attack. And that's actually the, the first sign of heart disease in one third of cases is actually dropping dead. Oh, really? That's, um, yeah, that's... That's a very, very sobering thought. And so you get these guys that, as, you, as they say, they've never had a sick day in their life, but they probably haven't had a well day for many, many years. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess this underscores the importance of, of having regular checkups with your GP. So, mm. you know, checking things like cholesterol, checking things like blood pressure, these things which are usually silent, you don't, you don't actually feel like you've got high cholesterol. And most of the time, you don't feel like you've got high blood pressure. Um, but these are things that we can measure and, and pick up on, and these are early clues to the fact that there might be um, risk factors for coronary artery disease present. Apart from going, doing a checkup, is there anything that uh, might sort of tweak in the back of our mind and say, hey, you know, um, this is a bit of a risk factor, maybe you should go and get a checkup? Yeah, certainly. So we know that um, if, if you're following a fairly unhealthy diet, so that's probably the typical Western diet, which is sort of high in saturated fats, high in salt, high in processed foods. Um, being physically inactive, being overweight or obese, particularly carrying weight around your waist. That's the danger section when it comes to risk of heart disease and risk of, risk of diabetes. Also, if you smoke, um, if you have diabetes, and uh, if you have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and we've also found recently that um, loneliness or, or, or lack of social connection is actually a risk factor for, for coronary artery disease as well. That's a really interesting one. Why would, why would loneliness cause your arteries to clog up? Well, it, it seems that when it comes to coronary artery disease, there's two, two things going on. One is the actual blockage due to the cholesterol. Uh, the other thing that you need for those blockages too is inflammation. And we think that when people experience loneliness or depression, these kind of things, their bodies are more in a more inflamed state. And that seems to possibly play into this, this equation as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, if we're just sort of the uh, the average normal person uh, who uh, has never had a sick day in their life and yet this disease may be sneaking up on us unawares but we haven't been to the doctor, um, things like um, shortness of breath, you know, that kind of stuff, would that be an indication of uh, coronary heart disease? And what, what other things might be an indication that, um, that this might be a problem? Yeah, sure. So I guess distinguishing between angina and heart attacks, there's often a bit of confusion about that. But, ah, um, yes. With, with angina, it's a bit like um, imagine going for a, a, a jog and your muscles get really sore and tight because you haven't done it for a while. That's a bit like angina. You don't, you don't kill those muscles, um, but you get some pain, you get some discomfort, which goes away when you rest. Um, that's what happens with angina. So the arteries are at least 70% blocked and um, you can get those, those symptoms. A heart attack, however, is when those arteries get completely blocked. And what actually happens there is the heart muscle dies off 
if you don't unblock that artery quickly. So a heart attack would look like um, often central chest discomfort. People describe it as, a, as an ache, um, maybe crushing pain, sometimes like an elephant sitting in their chest, uh, shortness of breath. People often feel nauseous, feel clammy. Um, but in females, interestingly enough, sometimes they might just present with um, back pain or, or neck pain. Um, often you get pain radiating down to the left arm as well. Um, that's a common a common feature of, of, of this as well. But in those with diabetes, they actually may have no symptoms at all in terms of no, no chest pain. Um, they may just feel a bit short of breath or a bit clammy. And, and one reason for that is the nerves that supply the heart can get damaged when you've had some had diabetes for a while. Some years ago, my 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 dad uh, was visiting the visiting the doctor, and they're like, "Oh, there's something there." And so they looked into it, and they're like, "Well, somewhere in the past, you had a heart attack, and lost about ten percent of um, heart function, um, and you know, sort of no idea where he had no a recollection of ever having had such an event, but certainly changed his lifestyle quite dramatically over the last uh, four or five years or so as a result of that." Um, how common would it be for somebody to have a heart attack and just have no idea that they even had that? Look, that's a really good point, Lyle. I mean, often people will see pictures and or, or, or see scenes in emergency, um, I guess, programs on TV where you see somebody coming with, with crushing chest pain and shortness of breath and all that. But, you know, sometimes people do just have, have chest pain. It may not be severe. They might pass it off as heartburn or indigestion. And um, it can actually be a missed heart attack. So that, that we do see that when we, when we do um, ECGs on people. Um, for example, people with diabetes, we usually like to do one every every 12 months just because these heart attacks can be missed. Um, you may pick it up on an ECG and find that, yes, you have had a heart attack, but it could have been passed off as, as heartburn. So, look, I guess this underscores the, the point, too, of if people do get chest discomfort, rather than sort of self-diagnosing at home, it's actually best to go into the emergency department and get checked out to make sure it's nothing to, to worry about. And people often worry that, you know, I don't want to cause any um, any inconvenience to the to the doctors or nurses in the hospital, but it's one of those things that you miss it. And I've seen patients where this has happened before where they've they decided I wouldn't go in that night because I don't want to disturb a doctor. Um, they come in the next day and because they sat on it for 12 hours or so, um, that was actually the cause of their, their death, unfortunately. Mm. Okay, so the long of the story is uh, get it checked out if you uh, got questions there, um, Doctor Wood. There's a um, an issue here with ethnicity. Some some uh, some people um some people groups are more prone to heart attack than others. What's that all about? Yep. So if you come from Pacific Islander um, ancestry, you have a higher risk. Um, similarly to if you're of South Asian ancestry as well, those, those individuals have high risks as well. Um, you know, why why those ethnic groups play into the the higher risk? Whether it's um, the genes themselves or, or or lifestyle, really not too sure. Okay, so let's talk about lifestyle because I mean, just using my my dad as an example, he dramatically changed his lifestyle after he found out that there had been a problem there at some particular point. Um, what are some of the things that we can do from a lifestyle perspective, and how effective is lifestyle in treating heart disease? Yeah, look, it can be really powerful, Lyle. So number one would be don't smoke. Uh, number two, be physically active. So we're talking in order to prevent heart disease, and certainly if you're a survivor of somebody who's had a heart attack, aiming for at least sort of 30 to 60 minutes a day of, of moderate physical activity. And what that looks like is um, if you can whistle a tune, um, 
that's okay. That's that's moderate exertion. Uh, but if you can't talk to the person next to you, um, that's probably more vigorous. So you, you can usually exercise at a moderate exertion fairly safely. If you're somebody who's over the age of 40 and wishing to take up jogging, probably best to chat to your GP first about that to make sure there's no issues there that might um, be, a, be a problem. Um, being hydrated is important. So we have some research that suggests that um, drinking plenty of water um, may affect risk as well. Um, it's, it's interesting that the, the most likely time you have a heart attack is actually first thing in the morning when you wake up. So if you think about it, you've been sleeping for eight hours overnight and you wake up in a dehydrated state and your blood is tends to be more thick, um, which may increase risk of clotting, um, which can occur with, with heart attacks. And this is a big one, um, is to eat a predominantly whole food plant-based diet. We're getting more research suggesting that people who eat largely plant-based types type of diets um, tend to have low risk of heart disease. In fact, may even reverse it. Um, there's, there's a study done by Dr. Dean Ornish back in 1990. This was published in the prestigious Lancet Journal, where they actually demonstrated the ability to reverse coronary artery disease. Um, so these were patients who had daily angina, um, had blocked coronary artery disease, standard medical therapy, um, but the intervention group went on a, on a whole food plant-based eating pattern. And um, 12 months later, they found that these blockages in the arteries actually were shrinking when they did um, angiograms before and after. And the angina, um, in, in 82% of cases, um, resolved, which is quite, quite remarkable. Um, the other, other tip, too, would be to eat um, some nuts. Um, we have multiple studies showing that um, nuts seem to be protective against heart disease, and it's basically about a handful a day. Um, it seems to be associated with uh, halving of the risk of, of developing coronary artery disease. So that's a fairly, fairly simple intervention. Yeah, and that's a, that's a uh, quite a tasty uh, thing to do, and it's also, you know, for half a half a, a, a handful of nuts per day to uh, cut your risk of um, coronary artery disease in half is uh, is pretty significant. Absolutely. Now, what about um, what about alcohol? Yeah, so when it comes to, to alcohol, um, certainly drinking too much alcohol, so excessive amounts of alcohol um, can increase risk of heart failure. Um, so we know that's not good, and it um, can increase blood pressure. Um, the earlier research which seemed to suggest that um, drinking moderately red wine um, in terms of lowering risk of coronary artery disease does seem to be outdated now. So it's, it's no longer a recommendation of the, um, the National Health Foundation. So it's, it's probably more a risk factor in terms of drinking excessive amounts. Um, drinking small amounts probably doesn't protect significantly. Um, it, more the concern is with, um, with alcohol consumption, the risk of cancer. Um, associated with that. Right. So you drink alcohol, the cancer will uh, get you before the heart disease does kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Wood, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Um, it is always informative to have you as a part of the show and we do appreciate everything you have to share with us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.